and welcome to the first episode of Six Before Breakfast, the podcast of the ICD. My name is Andrew Armour and I'm joined here today by my two fellow creative breakfast enthusiasts, Howard Ross Sims and Anthony Eldridge Rogers, who I'll introduce you to more and we'll hear more from in a moment. This is our first episode and we're going to introduce our listeners today to the series and indeed who we are and what on earth this is all about. The ICD is International Creative Development. It's a community for those who are creative or those who work with, coach, mentor, manage those people who are creative. And this is Six Before Breakfast. It's our podcast for the ICD. Why Six Before Breakfast, you ask? Well, it comes from the famous line in Alice in Wonderland, when Alice says, one can't possibly believe in impossible things. I dare say you haven't had much practice, says the White Queen. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why, sometimes I've believed in as many as six impossible things before breakfast. And of course, those of us who've been fortunate enough, I hope that's the word, to work in the creative sectors know that Sometimes it does feel impossible, and sometimes you need to create those impossible things, and sometimes before breakfast. So that's why we are called Six Before Breakfast. Today, we are going to help our listeners get to know the series before it starts, so you can get a feel for the stories that you are going to hear in the next six episodes. You'll hear from a mixture of people who have built creative careers and lives across music, theatre, arts, events. From performing on stages in the West End to performing with major rock bands around the world, from selling artwork to starting new innovative businesses. If you are really interested in what it takes to have a creative life and you want to hear the real ups and downs of what that means and what it's like, then you're listening to the right podcast. But before we start, I would like to introduce you to my fellow uh, travellers in this world, and that is Howard Ross Sims and Anthony Eldridge Rogers, who together uh, have put this together. So without further ado, I'd like to say hello, gentlemen. Hello, Howard. Hello, Anthony. And why are we here? Hello, Andrew. Doing? Hello, hello, Andrew. <laughs> hello, Howard. <laughs> this, is, this has been a long time coming, hasn't it, Ant? I mean, we, we started talking about this during COVID um, when Ant and I reconnected and um, uh, I, you know, the world was falling apart. My business had fallen apart. Everybody was trying to figure out what the hell they were going to do next. And Ant and I started talking about um, how we could offer better services or some kind of platform where where people could um, find guidance and hope, I suppose. And and being from the creative industry I, industries, I could see what was happening to um, people, certainly in our country, being South Africa where there was no support and um and it struck us that actually coming out of this regardless of how we came out of covid that the creative industries and creative people and the idea of creativity has changed and that there was going to be a, a real need for for people to to find a place to share ideas to maybe get better training to vent to complain um we, that's an interesting. That's an interesting yeah. point, Howard. That venting and complaining. We used to one do of the, every week whenever we I mean, spoke. We're, we're, uh, just <laughs> vent and complain, really. I, th I think one of the things that struck me, and I want to ask Anthony about this, is just what what struck me listening to the podcast and the various people is how how uh, 
to put it bluntly, how tough a creative career and creative life is, Anthony. It's not always the sort of the joy. And well, I know there's a lot of joy in there, but often these creative people, some of the stories are quite they're quite tough, aren't they? Yeah, Anthony? they are quite tough. And uh, I'm sort of chuckling away here because um, there's a uh, you know there's a Chinese curse which says "May you live in interesting times." And I sometimes <laughs> think it's like the curse should actually say "May you be in the creative industries." But um, it's uh, it's tough on so many fronts, isn't it? Really, because the the creative industries, as we call it in that sort of posh term, is really used to describe such a wide range of human activities from you know business organization entrepreneurship and then you know pure creatives uh, artists of all kinds people with different ways of thinking about creativity so it's, it's just a massive field isn't it really and and uh, i mean i've had a sort of ringside seat uh, in different contexts in different roles in my career so i've both sort of run creative businesses, creative industries, many creative industries, myself in television and visual production. Um, but I'm also creative as, as well. So I've sort of been on the other side of the camera, if you like. And I, I've sort of seen the the challenges that go mentally with with all, all these different kinds of positions. I just get really cross with the film business because when the crews used to come and complain to me when I was a producer, I was oh, for God's sake, you know, he's the smallest violin. They'd be complaining about their pay or the food or, you know, whatever it was. And I, I'd be sort of dying of stress, you know, because I'd have clients asking me what I was going to do about the weather as if I was God. So, um, you know, there's there's lots of different perspectives in the industry. I know you've got yours as well, Howard, about where you've been sitting in events and advertising. and Yeah. So when I rang Howard up, um, and I actually said to him, look, I've, I've been talking to this chap called Andrew. So, And, you know, we've been talking about the creative industries and, and being a creative person and all that stuff. And we figured out that perhaps the cre- creative industries really could do with some kind of coaching-oriented yeah. input. Um as we're both coaches as well, which which we'll probably all get into sharing. But just as a thought, yeah. as a thought on that, Anthony, one thing that struck me listening to the podcasts and listening to your the stories from you two, it can be quite lonely if you're going to be a freelancer. I think when I look at people like Sam and Stephen and Dan, that they did they did um, create their own businesses and create their own their own little arc in the world. Um, and Howard, I think what's interesting about that, Howard, I know it's a big thing that you're interested in, is, is sometimes the commercial aspects of creativity are almost. It's getting. Do you think it's getting harder, Howard? That sort of making of making money as a freelancer, or is it getting easier because of the digital um, world? Oof. I, I think some sectors are getting easier. I think, um, at, I mean, you mentioned the commoditization and the commercialization of creativity, which I, I think is an amazing topic because, like, we're living in a time where. Um, creativity is is being lauded as this thing that's going to save everyone which which is which is a narrative which i do support to a degree i think that that you know as humans we create beings and we create our futures we created the world and we we've created the problems that we have in it and we are going to use our creativity to overcome the challenges um but what's happened is that more people are 
are calling themselves creative because I think the definition of creativity has expanded. So it's no longer, well, he's a very good painter. He's very creative or he can tap dance, um, you know, for six hours. He's a very creative person. Creativity, that definition has expanded. So when you say, is it getting more difficult to be in the creative industry? Um, I think in, in the, in, in the commoditization and the, and the, the commercialization piece of it, I'd say that there are, broader opportunities opening up, particularly because of digital and web three. However, if you're going to look at, if you're going to immerse yourself in a deep art, then I would say it's probably a great deal more difficult. You know, we can't all be Damien Hirst with an army of people around us creating the work Mm. that we want to, that that we have in our brains. Is that just a, is that just that globalization thing that if you want to get something designed, I think, I think even we were working on a project a few weeks ago, you can get things designed all around the world. Very, very, and it, and is it because the actual, the value of that service has gone down, do you think, or is it because it's more easily available? Well, can I jump in here? Because yeah. I think we're getting yeah. into, into the weeds here of some really interesting things, which uh, yeah. I hope we're going to explore in our series well, we do explore to some degree, and we're going to explore more in, in the further podcast. But I, I, I think that um, I, I just want to go back to what you were saying, Howard, about Howard about creativity. Because what really strikes me is that at any given moment, you can get a different perspective on creativity from everyone. You know, yeah. there is no sort of universal definition, and that's what makes it quite a slippery topic, isn't it? Um, because the word is used a lot in the sciences now. So if you look at, you know, they talk about creativity in in genome research. They talk about creativity in AI research, um, which is a, it sounds like it's a long way from, you know, painting pictures in your garage (laughs) or making music on your door. So, um, but they are actually referring to the same thing. And I think that's really interesting about the interviews that we did and, you know, trying to tease out, what did individuals mean by creativity? Just on that point, on that point, um, Anthony, uh, yeah, I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the podcasts that we have this in the series. And some of them really struck out uh, to me. Uh, for example, we've got, um, we had, of course, uh, uh, Tommy Ludgate, um, a very, uh, very successful um, uh, singer and music uh, teacher, works with uh, lots of music people. We also had um, Svet, who's another uh, a very accomplished bass guitarist, toured all around the world with major rock bands, etc. We've got people like uh, Mike Eldridge, who's a fascinating, uh, a true artist. Uh, uh, I mean, a proper artist, painter and things who traveled around the world, went all around the world to different places. We've got Dan Su. Uh, Dan um, has uh, worked in hip hop. He's worked in um, uh, uh, poetry. He's worked in big events at Glastonbury and the ups and downs of that career. Um, and we've also got, uh, who else we have? We also had, uh, oh, of course, Sam, Sam Holland as well, who is somebody who you know, has a, such a varied career from being an actress on the West End stage to starting up a, a high-tech um, uh, startup company. So I just wondered, Anthony, when you look back on those stories now, are there ones to you that stand out as being exemplary of what it's like to have a creative career? Or is there a mixture of, in all of those stories, that's what a creative career is like, perhaps? 
Yeah, well, there's a few themes that stood out to me. And uh, what I liked was the fact that paradoxically, all the different interviews were similar in one way, but completely different the other sort of. So I, I can't really put my finger on any any story that was identical to another, but the themes were really clearly similar. Um, this issue of resilience, the issue of how do you cope psychologically with the process of of you know uncertainty that comes, the challenges that come, the you know the need to sort of step up to the plate, um, getting it done. They all said, everybody said, you know, when push comes to shove, what's your advice to you know, people in, who want to be creative or want to live creatively. And it was just do it, you know. Isn't that amazing, Anthony? I picked up that as well. I listened to these podcasts again a couple of weeks back. And isn't it amazing how everyone from musicians to actresses to artists to, what was it, uh, comedians, stage people, theatre people, they all just said you just have to make that step even if it's a bit scary and let's be honest it might be it might go wrong yep. um and, and i think that's 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 exactly the well, lesson i, 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 got go further than that. I well. wouldn't say it might go wrong i mean it will go wrong it probably will <laughs> my creative career <laughs> it probably will things go have wrong. gone wrong you know i don't trust anyone who says i've never made a mistake and it's never you know the wheels have never come off at some point um it's about taking that action doesn't strike it? me as yeah it's about taking action yeah but how would in your sense? I mean, presumably you've got such great experiences with events and promotions and things like that. Is it the old cliche that if you if you if you don't want to make if you don't make mistakes, then you're not actually pushing, you're not actually trying things or doing things quick enough or hard um, enough? Yes, it, but it's completely counterintuitive because nobody wants to make a mistake. But you're absolutely right. You're That's absolutely true. right. Half the stuff that we do we do because we know it will work and the other half we've got absolutely no idea and i'm talking about my industry and what we do um and that's what makes it exciting and i think that we, you know when we're working with creative people and, and in a creative environment that's that's what fuels us it's, it's what it's like why do we want to do something that we've done already so maybe we'll use a few ideas that we've used in the past or stuff that we know that's going to work. But the point going into each particular project is you want to push forward. You want to create things. You want to change stuff. You want to do something new. You want to use a new piece of technology that hasn't been used yet. Or you want to use an old piece yeah. of technology in a new way just to see if it works um, often. Just out of interest, yeah. guys, uh, I'm interested, um, where do you think the role of craft is in all this? Because when you look at people like um, – Svet or Mike um, or Sam, they're all, mm. let's be honest, they're very highly trained, aren't they? Mm. They, they, the old, the old adage, they know their onions. They, they do know their, they know their stuff, don't they? Is that still really important in all those stories that, you know, for, that you have to have that craft, that technique. What are your thoughts on that, Anthony? That creative thing, is it craft? Yeah, it's a quite an old fashioned word, isn't it? Craft, but um, it is an old fashioned yeah. word. Well, I'm quite an old-fashioned man. Yeah. You see, I'm going to – oh, God, I know. I'm probably going to bore everyone to death with paradoxes here because I think you're right. Um, and I don't know, you know, 10,000 hours and all the Malcolm Gladwell stuff, you know, yeah. it, it's out there. And, and I think we all agree that if you want to be a great pianist or violinist or something like that, you know, it is about time and talent. And, it, and you know, you can have the talent, but if you don't put in the time, it's not going to become something. But at the same time, I keep – stumbling across exceptions to the rule, you know, where people stumble across something that 
or, or managed to sort of quickly put something together that weirdly no one else has thought of and suddenly they're hailed as great creatives but they there's not a lot of craft sitting behind them as, as such so i do think there's contradictions and i think it depends where you're looking in the creative industries it's, it, it depends i think it does vary from sort of domain to domain yeah. inside the overall field if if that makes sense i think um and certainly in the sciences uh you know where creativity matters um you know, there is an enormous amount of, of of very clear, specific science being done, which takes a lot of time and, and concentration and skills. So, and I think it's yeah. time you have to admit that you you are old enough to have lived through the punk revolution in the late seventies. That was fuckle to do with craft. <laughs> in the days when you could say, "I'm going to start a band." Yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you, do you play, play an instrument? No. No, no, I don't, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but don't Maybe worry. Maybe that was the answer. <laughs> yeah. That's the answer. And then you just play one chord yeah, then you know, that's over fine. and over again and, and you, you know, job done. Yeah. Yeah. Just, there's another thing, obviously, because you, you two have had really um, varied careers in the creative sectors. One thing, that, another theme, Anthony, that I picked up is how many times people have just gone going off on totally different tangents. Ah, yes. Did you notice mm. that? One minute they were doing one thing, yeah. And then they said, oh, yeah, and a year later I decided to do this. And I think it was interesting, it's the saying yes. Did you, did you pick up that, Howard? Often they just said, you yeah. just got to say, I think a few of them said, you've got to say yeah. yes to more things, not no to more things. Yeah, it's about challenging yourself. I mean, we, we, we were kind of circling back to that idea of taking action as well. I think, and it, it comes back to natural curiosity. If something piques your interest, you're going to yeah. go and, and scratch away and, and have a look at it. Um, and I think... Listening, particularly to people like Michael and Svet, um, they 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 kind of navigated their way through, and both are. I, mean, I, I don't know how old Svet is, but I mean, she she sounds like she's you know she's she's been working for a couple of decades in the industry. But the the point is that yeah. they, they kind of had this yeah. idea that that creativity for them wasn't a plan. They didn't they didn't plan to be creative people. Yes, they didn't. That's right. Commit themselves to be, well, this is what I'm going to, I'm going to be a creative person. And I'm going to create it was this kind of path. So they did commit to it, but they just committed to the path and the path took them down where that Michael's a perfect example of this. Um, cause he lived all around the world, you know, from shortly after the, you know, second world war, he was off and, 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 and exploring the world and, and, and became, as you say, a, a real true artist. So this is idea that, there's something inside us or something inside creative people that just wants, there's this natural curiosity that, that causes them to say yes, to challenge themselves, to take yeah. action and, and to find this path that takes them to something. Ah, that's a really nice point, Howard, the finding a path. One of the things that I think was very charming about Svet is she ended up, uh, listen to the podcast, people, you'll find the story. She ended up touring the world with one of the biggest bands in the world. But when we asked her, she didn't really yeah. have a plan. <laughs> it wasn't really, she didn't say, I want to I want to play at the Sydney Opera House yeah. within three years and tour the world in a big jet. There wasn't, there was none of that, was there? It was almost, um, almost like a non-attachment what is it? to the outcome. Is it a mix- but I don't. Oh, that's a good. Yeah. yeah, I can jump in here with a thought on that because I, I also have noticed in some of the creative people that I've coached over the years that they there's the ones that are more process driven, which is where you might say they're more intrinsically connected. They're more. It's more. Yeah. They're really getting off on on the journey, and then there's other people mm-hmm. who are more sort of destination focused. Like you know, I want to be 
singing in front of 5,000 people, my, my album or whatever it is. And um, yeah. I know quite a few painters, brilliant painters, who, God, getting them to show their art to the world is a nightmare. They just want to, they just got them leaning up in their house, you know, and they're just, all, and they're very much caught up in that intrinsic thing. Um, and they're not really worried that much about what the world thinks. And then again, you've got these people know it's all about communication. It's all about being out there and, and singing my song or reading my poetry or showing my digital artwork, whatever it is. And I think that's quite interesting. Just out of interest, Anthony, is that why do you think that creative people, they need a good art director, they need a good producer, uh, they need a good a coach, a mentor. Is that why they need people then? Because otherwise they get too involved in that work, but not in the commercial aspect or the, or the, the developmental aspect. Yeah. I think, I think it's a collaborative field. I think, I think we only really get, I mean, you think about, I mean, come on, Howard, you know this. So you think about putting on anything. I mean, you can't do it on your own. I mean, you know, I've been shooting, you know, movies and stuff like that. You're talking up to hundreds of people involved. There's no way that you can do it it on your own in certain realms. You know. You're mute, Howard. Sorry, I had my mic on mute. Um... What I was saying is that advertising is a, is a good example of, I mean, that's an extreme example of how the industry has grown around this idea of creativity being kept separate from the cerebral organizational part of, of business. Because um, decades ago, and you know, the Mad Men time, we've all seen Mad Men. There was all one. It was, you know, one guy would go and take the brief and come up with the idea and then go and sell it to the client. And, and it was only years later that they separated it all. And they get, oh, no, the creative people must sit and be creative because they don't know how to do the business stuff. And the business people, they don't know how to do the creative stuff. And, of course, I mean, there's a large debate that that's caused half the problems in advertising ever since. Anyway, um, but, yeah, to your point, and. It's an interesting point. Just on that point, mm. though, Howard, is, is I'm just going to I'm just going to raise this as the uh, obviously my background was I was never a pure creative. I was an yeah. account director and a marketing guy, and then I've done coaching and things. Here's a challenge because you two are much more ingrained in that creative aspect. Here's the area that I find interesting, which happened a number of times in my career. Is sometimes the senior people deliberately created a little bit of tension or unease or they changed the deadline. And I remember what, one time... I've done that. I know why I've you're laughing, Howard. Yes. Have you done that? Yes. Have you done that? Why? Because why you do that? nobody sticks why? to it. There's no... You know, unless you've got deep... I mean, look, this is... We're, we're, we're digressing now, but it, often it's about accountability. And the, often the creative people are just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ah, you know, Oh, no, I was... See, I, I was thinking, I was thinking it because it creates a little bit of tension, a bit of unease yeah. that actually, and I'll ask Anthony about this, I think that sometimes is what the creative spark comes from. It needs a bit of healthy stress, uh, a bit Andrew. of the oh shit, oh shit moment, mm. the oh shit, mm. it's tomorrow. And then suddenly, and I've seen it done two or three times, and I have to admit, the work was better because you had healthy a little stress. bit of anxiety. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know about healthy stress. Well, well, this is yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I don't know how you you guys roll mm. creatively, but um, you know, I I have to have a deadline. I mean, you know, I have to yeah. work back from, you know, 
I, I, I have, I, you know, I, so I will lock myself in a process where, uh, you know, I've got to go and give a, a, a talk in three months' time. Yeah. And, I, you know, nothing is prepared or, or nothing is done because, you know, but it's, it's a down to individual psychology. And I think, I don't know about the ethics, Andrew, of That's deliberately scaring up creatives you know, <laughs> to try and get them to perform. I'm, I'm not sure that, that I, I, I'm really un, uncomfortable with with those kinds of manipulations after a certain point. But do you think, do, do you think, I know this is an area you're very expert in, Anthony, so I'll be interested to see what you'll think. The adrenaline, the the endorphins that you get at the side of a stage or just before, as an account director, just before you go in to pitch for a big ad, is that, it? Let's. is there, I'm trying to even see your thoughts on this, there's a slight, that is quite an addictive yeah. type thing isn't it i remember going in to pitch to companies and it was i have to admit it was quite exciting it's an altered state isn't and it? i've spoken it's an altered state huh? you, you know you are yeah. you know at the edge of the stage uh, you know whatever the thing yeah. is that you're about to whether it's a ted talk or a you know concert stuff um there is there is a tension and there's which is you've been pushed into an altered state really and um is it addictive i i think it is i think it is uh, is it negatively addictive Sometimes I think um, you yeah. think it is. Howard, yeah, I mean, live TV—it's the most terrifying thing you can do. You get one chance to get something right. Eventing is similar, but I mean, it's to smaller audiences. But going out live on TV, when you know there's no fail-safes, it's, it's, you've got a live show going no. out, and there are millions of people watching you, and there's you know, millions of dollars or pounds on the line. Everybody, there's this collective altered state. Where Anthony talks about an altered state. It's it's collective. It's a thrill. Everybody's it a thrill, part of the it? same weird little bowl of energy. And yeah, you can't escape it. Yeah. And when it's over, it's it's you just feel deflated. You need it again. Ah, isn't that fascinating, Howard? Because a number of people who we spoke to, uh, they did say that when their mm. show ended or when their tour ended, I thought that was quite poignant. They said it was almost a flat afterwards i think yeah. i think it was sam said that i think i think yeah. said that they said it's almost a you've got this yeah. big buzz and then suddenly life is back to normal but maybe that's not right for people at i don't know i mean i think it's a we used to see i used to see when i in in theaters well you would see so many romances blossoming backstage mm. And they'd be amazing. These, you know, these new couples would pop up, and they 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 would ride on the energy of the show, and then the show would end, and a week later they'd broken up, and they hated each other, and they could never stand. They had nothing binding. Them. <laughs> that's so, that's that a very so sad true. They had that's nothing, quite a yeah. sad story. <laughs> they had nothing binding you know, themselves we, anymore. It was the, the, the energy of the show and the focus and the creativity that was coursing through their veins, all for this one singular moment and this and this common purpose and as and said the sort of old common altered state, all the air gets let out of the balloon, and at the end of it all, and there's, there's nothing connecting you anymore. Been- on, on the film sets, you know, yeah. we wow. the, the crew, you know, at the at the rap parties, mm. there would always be declarations. Everyone loved each other. Yeah, yeah. You, you never see them again. Do you remember? It was like, <laughs> and, you know, it was all like, see you next week, yeah. and, you know, let, come over Exchanging to mine, and you must meet and, the yeah, missus, yeah. and all this sort of thing. And you'd never see any of them again yeah. until the, you bump into you them know, in the, the shop first and day like, oh, pre-production yeah, yeah. of the next project. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, I'm really curious with your expertise in the whole uh, broader mental health. Is that why you think a lot of people in those, is it the highs, the extreme highs and lows that people find difficult? 
to manage sometimes, do you think? Well, I, I think like one minute you're on stage, the next minute you're in the coffee shop all by yourself. You see, I love that. You see, that suits my personality. I really, I personally, mm. and I think other people do, thrive on the contrast. Um, you know, monotony and regularity is, is anathema to me. Uh, you know, I just personally thrive on change. I love the new, I love, that's why I love the film business because every project ends. Can you imagine a movie that went on forever mm. <laughs> until you died? It would be a nightmare. Yeah. But I love the fact that, you know, you we were constantly reinvigorating the the group of people, the story we were telling, the work we were doing. And and so, but that that is my personality type. Now, do other people unwittingly stumble into those situations and hate it? Absolutely, they do. Yeah. And a lot of people shouldn't be in those kinds of industries. They're just not temperamentally cut out for it. Um, and so, how do you how do you deal with a creative who has got that up and down? Is that just if you were the coach or the director or the producer? How what? techniques would you use out of interest anthony with those sort of people who've got that sort of one minute they're very up then they're down then they're on stage then they're by themselves what if they're suffering because of it and they don't understand it i'd be i'd I'd be asking if they thought they were in the right business because they might be one of those people who were drawn and found themselves on a sort of pathway and were quite good at it and then when they got there went oh no this isn't this isn't actually what i wanted and but but can't admit it and i think coaching someone to to, really to accept point. that is is pretty pretty big stuff because that is often you know they just in or they're in the wrong part of the creative yeah. industries that's another thing just on a uh, howard throw that question mm-hmm. at you howard one of the things about agencies and you know, you've got massive experience in agencies but uh, i remember i was once with someone in it and they said oh I, I don't like the fact there's all these deadlines I said, well, that's kind of <laughs> you're in the wrong that's business. Kind of goes, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of uh, yeah. There's going to be that's kind of the point is there's going to be motorbikes turning up all day with yeah. things, and it, I, I mean, have you come across people like that, Howard, who, who suddenly realise yeah. I can't, I, I don't like this continuous yes. all buzz. the time, all the time. So I think, really? yeah, I mean, look, I'm speaking specifically around agency work, um, and particularly what we yeah. do, which is experiential, which is you know, it's long, hard graft and then this burst of activity and excitement and then it's over again. Um, people love it. They fall in love with the idea of, of, of being involved in these programs and this push and this energy. And that's, that excites them, but they can't deal with the pressure of having to deliver something by a certain date. And to Anthony's point, then they're, they're not in the right industry. Um, across agency work, we see because of the way agencies are developing, we're seeing a, a different kind of phenomenon developing with with a lot of creative people that actually can't deal with the environments that are being created. That whilst a lot of agencies are defined, they define themselves as being part of the creative industry and, cre- and a creative economy. A lot of the agency work that's being turned out is so deadline driven and so process driven now and so analytical that it's still being dressed up as creative, it's still being dressed up as agency, it's still being dressed up as, let's call it advertising or design or whatever it is. But really it's had a lot of the creativity yanked out of it by um, by the analytics of it and by the, oh, let's just call it what it is, by the, yeah. by the, by the accountants. But, and those people are- Howard, yeah, I just like, can I just say, yeah. that's such a brilliant point you're making because I've often thought that the creative industries, parts of them, they shouldn't be called creative no. industries. They should be called something else. Yeah. I'm not sure what, yeah. uh, because it's misleading. Well, it, well it's, pr- it's production. It's production and traffic. <laughs> it's, it's becoming, it's becoming yeah. analytics. It really is. Analytics. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. So it's, you know, you get a, think, an analysis of what your market needs and where the communication needs to be directed. And during this time and that time, you literally, everything gets delivered to the agency and the agency just kind of bashes together a little, a, a little idea, which is kind of been given to them by the data anyway. So a lot of the, that creative um, it's kind of energy and soul that was that was generated in advertising in, in the eighties and nineties, and even the the two thousands. It's not really there anymore. So you find a lot of young people coming into the industry for different reasons, and then and then getting to their early thirties and just being burnt out, and they don't find a place for themselves there anymore. They're disillusioned. Their their work is just they're kind of part of this big machine. Um, they feel that their creativity has been commoditized, as we spoke about earlier, and commercialized, which is fine when you're in your early 20s. But when you're in your mid-30s and you want to settle down and have a family and, and the work that you're doing is is starting to feel hollow and meaningless, that's when people burn out and they leave the industry. Um, but, yeah, I, Ant, I mean, do you have a view on that? Well, I, you guys have probably been following chat, GBT. Yeah. So um, now there's a big thing going around about um, visual people, photographers and, mm. and graphic designers about that they're all, everyone's rushing to protect their copyright because they think AI is, you know, coming for their creativity, mm. which in, la- in large part I think is quite, quite true. But I think that um, what is going to be interesting in our podcast series is how we can get into some of the detail of, of these kinds of issues because I do think that they're coming. And I think one of the, going back to stress, one of the big stresses that is now coming to bear on the industry as a whole is the fact that nobody really knows where this is going in terms of what the impact's going to be. And there's a lot of psychological problems that are going to have to be dealt with for the different parts of the creative industries. Hopefully that's something that we can, you know, add our pieces to. On that point, we need, we need to wind up. But on that point, I'm going to ask both of you the same question, and that is, what would, what would, if, what would, uh, now you're looking back on your own career and your own uh, work in these areas, the good and the bad. What would make you choose the creative industries now as a career option? I'm going to start with uh, you, Anthony. What would make you still? You've heard some fantastic of these podcast stories that we've had. Some of the some of the life stories are amazing, aren't they? They're really incredible things they've done. What would make you still choose a career in the creative uh, industry, Anthony? Uh, technology, because um, you know I'm now sitting at home with the ability to with a home studio, uh, editing suite, and everything. I mean. You know, the sheer barriers to entry when I was a young man, just because of the technology and the cost, if you want to be a filmmaker, buying 35 minute film, you know, the fact that, you know, it has become so available. If you want to create works of art or whatever you, whatever you call them, films, visual stuff, you know, whatever, the technology has just set everyone free. So, and I know that everybody says, yeah, but that makes everybody, you know, that chokes everything up with millions of filmmakers. Yes, it does. But it's better than having gatekeepers letting some people in and some people not. And, and that's what the system we had when I came in. If you didn't know the right mm. people, you, you couldn't have a career, period. Wow. And I don't... That's a brilliant... Yeah. Well, it's not true anymore, is it? You know, so I mean, I, I know filmmakers who... 
who are making making good money, doing amazing work, all online, all putting their films out online because you know the big studios won't put their films out. They've still got millions of viewers, you know. So I, I that's why I would go into it still. That's a very positive. That's a really positive message as well. Is that yes, there are challenges, but you're so right. Is that if you are genuinely a, a, of a creative heart and mind. You don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be fabulously successful and wealthy. You can have a very happy life doing creative work. Um, the same question to you, Howard. What would make you still go back into the creative industries if you could replay uh, oh, your parties. own career? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Howard. We always oh, had the best parties. <laughs> no, I liked Anthony's answer. I don't know. I don't know how to. Uh, yeah, it's a it's great good. answer. I'm quite jealous. Um I, I mean, the variation of, of what we do, I think, was what is exciting. Um, I, you know, I, I also need, mm. I need different stuff going on. Um, I need to feel like each day, even if each day isn't going to be completely different, that stuff is, I can see stuff developing and changing in, 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 in over a period of time. And I, I want to feel like I've had an active hand in doing that. Um, and getting up in the morning and, and, you know, doing a sun salute, it doesn't make me feel creative. It makes me feel wonderful and, and enlightened and empowered and all of those things, but it doesn't make me feel creative. Um, so I, I think it's about variation. It's about feeling it's the only way, and I'm speaking very personally now, it's the only way that I can feel like I'm in control of my life is actually being able to create things, even if they're for other people. Mm. Um, I think if I was staring at spreadsheets all day, I would feel I would I would not feel like I was living my own life. What about you? Yeah, Andrew, what about you? What about you? Andrew? Asking all well, these questions. You, yeah, come on. Question. Yeah. We've got another hour of questions well, think, for you I think now. The thing that, yeah, I know. I think the thing that um I would probably still go into the creative industry for is to meet some really fascinating yeah. people. I mean, I remember, you know, the first time I went to a TV studio and saw the guys putting up lights and cameras and it's like, they were so amazing. And then the first time I went to a design studio and they were, had these enormous Macintosh computers doing all this video photography stuff. I thought, how do they do that? And it was just so, uh, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. You know, and the first time I saw people building websites, I didn't know how that was done. That's what I, you know, it's when you see people work. The foot, I mean, the classic one is when you see a good photographer work. And it's just, it's just you just you stand back. You go, how? That's amazing. How do they do that? <laughs> because because it's something you can't do. And it's not it's not like a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint or a mechanical thing. It, it's a creative process. And I think that's where I think you know I, I was very lucky to work in the industries I did is to see you know musicians work, to see TV directors work, uh, to see design art directors, to see an art director work when I can't even draw a stick man. <laughs> and you see an art director suddenly do a sketch and then suddenly direct a, a photo shoot you go oh, that's amazing like the way they think the way they think creatively is so different from yeah. the way i do that's probably what would make me still today if i was 21 years of age today i would still go into the creative sector i think because i think the technology may change the mechanics the economics may change but i still think i still think you you meet some amazing people. And in fact, those amazing people are part of what um, we have on the podcast is we meet six amazing people who've done proper creative 
careers and creative lives. And as you, as listeners will find out, that some of the stories are amazing. Some of them are like, wow, that sounds a bit crap. And some of them are like, wow, that sounds pretty amazing. And maybe that's the maybe that's the summary. Yeah, I mean, that I, I love that you've pointed to that because I would that would have I'm, I'm a bit disappointed I didn't say that now <laughs> I said my technology thing but um, no no your so technology thing was great I'm jealous of Andrews now um, but yeah 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 of course of course the people the people yeah, the crazy the people, creatives yeah. the wonderful yeah of course weird people I, I mean I think I mean I'm, I'm sure you I'm sure we will talk again in our next series about some of the people we've met I have met uh, I mean I've met some strange people in my my career uh, I'm sure. I'm looking at yeah, Howard, I was Howard, say, you look like you've met some strange oh, oh, you people. You weren't talking about me. <laughs> yeah, not including right. us. <laughs> yes. I thought he was talking I was about thinking you. the same thing. We once. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think we once hired when I was in the agency. We once hired a hippie a hippie commune to do a, an oh. event, Howard, which I'm sure you'd have liked. We actually had a real hippie commune. They commercial. They sold the souls. Cash. Really? Yeah, yeah. How hippie were and they, Andrew? We thought, Come this on. This is either going to be the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is either going to be the worst thing we'd ever done, but it turned out Did brilliant. <laughs> but, they, you know, it, strange people, Howard, strange well, people. I, can I say how very creative of you, Andrew? <laughs> well, it was a risk. <laughs> but anyway, ah. maybe that's... <laughs> yeah, it was a risk. And it was, maybe that was that fear thing we talked about earlier, the fear, like, it could have gone horribly wrong because they may not have turned up. They may have just taken our money and never turned up. But as it, as it happened, they did turn up with amazing costumes and stilts and they had, I mean, I don't know, all sorts of weird bubble things. And they were fantastic. And then they went away to their commune. You know, they said thanks, took the cash, and then went away. And um, as an agency, we thought, well, that worked. But it could have gone wrong. If it had gone wrong, I'd have probably lost my job. But there you go. That's the creative <laughs> world, is, isn't yeah. it? Anyway, to gentlemen, talk about. we... Yeah. we Lots to talk about, lots to hear on the podcasts. Thank you, uh, Howard. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you for being part Pleasure. of this. Thank you. Uh, thank you for um, all all the work, etc. I hope um, our listeners really um, uh, enjoy the next six episodes. I certainly found them fascinating. So there you have it. Thank you for being here. Welcome to Six Before Breakfast. Uh, enjoy the series, the inspiration, and the advice from people who have really travelled that road less travelled. We will be back at the end of Series 1. I think we're going to do another episode for us at the end of Series 1, and then we're going to get into Series 2 in the spring and summer. Um, If you have any topics you'd like us to explore about people who make their living out of being creative or the people who help them to make their living out of being creative, then please let us know. Or if you'd like to be involved or be one of the people we interview in Series 2, please get in touch. You can get in touch with us via the ICD LinkedIn group or the ICD Facebook page. From me, Andrew Armour, from my colleagues Howard Ross-Sims and Anthony Eldridge-Rogers, enjoy the series and welcome to Six Before Breakfast. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you all.